This, my friends, is the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I am Pat McCraney. He is Alex Campbell. And things are not good in the Chicago Fire world right now, are they, Alex? No. And so we if you're a, a patron of the podcast, you were aware that we killed the Fire months ago. Killed them. They proceeded then to win like four out of their next five games and make us look very dumb. Uh, we're pretty confident this time, as are the Ozmakers at 538, that the Fire are toast. Official playoff odds over at 538 down to 8% basically would require the Fire to win the majority and draw the remainder of their games. And there is absolutely no evidence that we should believe that is about to happen. The only evidence that we have to believe it could happen is the evidence that they won when we weren't expecting them to win before. You never quite know with this team, but it does feel like the overall trend is they're somewhere around a 10th place team. And that's pretty disappointing considering the offseason moves that were made um, this season because it's just I, – I didn't expect Philly, but I think I expected 6th or 7th. And I think that any Fire fan should expect the bare minimum. I had them in the last playoff spot. Yeah, I think. should be the last playoff spot. Yeah. And it, it is – you know, I, I – the bar has been for so long. We just need to make the playoffs, and they can't even do In a that. league where more than half the teams make yeah. the playoffs. Now, that's going to change within the next few years as expansion changes. Like, yeah, right now it's exactly half. It's exactly playoffs. half yeah. make the playoffs right now. Uh, so, yeah, they lose 2-0 to the Montreal Impact, and I think we should kind of take this game in three parts, Pat. The first part is the part where Montreal scores goals. Yes. Um, two very nice goals. Mm-hmm. The first one, another example where maybe the fire should step to the guy shooting and not just have a semicircle of five dudes staring as a guy lines up a shot from distance. Guys can hit shots outside the box. Back-to-back weeks we've seen this happen, and yep. Carlos Tehran realizes it too late in this on this yep. occasion. Yep. The windup is already going, and then it's in the top corner. No chance for Gaga. Um, and the second goal is just a Romo Kyoto free kick that is just a peach it was, it was outstanding. It somehow was not hit that hard, but also did not like arc or dip at all. It was just like he just pointed a laser into the mm-hmm. corner and it just slowly traveled that path. Again, no chance for Gaga. The fire are down 2-0 relatively early. It's not going very well. And then something interesting happens. And this is part two of the game. Uh, Shaq comes off in the 30th minute uh, with what we later found out from Ezra Hendrickson to be tightness and not all that serious. Um, he again, I don't know, this is several times a season where he's asked to come out of a game. Um, it was a really bad look considering he was asking to come out of a game after they were down 2 nothing, and it did kind of feel yeah, this more is like... right after the Kyoto free Yeah, kick. it felt more like he was done trying than he actually had tightness. And you know what was kind of depressing? I was in the stands for this one and not in the press box and the first few times this season, you know, like Twitter or the fans or whatever were kind of surprised when Shaq was asking to come out of a game. I Not anymore. No one was surprised. Everyone was like, eh. there was like a groan almost of the people that did care. So, um, I, for one was pleased to see Fabian Herbers come in. Honestly made things make, not necessarily make tactically more sense, but allow the fire to play more similarly to how they've played most of the year because this initial lineup did not have two defensive holding midfielders in it. This was, you know, you had the back line, you had Fede Navarro, Shabilko up top, and then you had five dudes in between there doing 
something. Yeah, I mean, he had uh, Fede and, in theory, Torres in the pivot, but Torres was, as you would imagine, floating forward a lot, which, you know, that's his game, right? I, we still haven't seen much of anything from him, but we'll talk about that a little later. But Yeah, because this, this should have been an opportunity for him to play in his yeah, preferred position right. once Fabi came on the field. But, again, that's, that's kind of a whole other thing. So you mentioned, though, that people aren't surprised anymore. At this point in the season, I, I, a, I think we can say something that would have sounded a little tinfoil hat-y earlier in the year, but sounds pretty concrete now, and that's at the first... Jordan Shakiri is an injury-prone player. Again, we're going to talk about this more later. Right. He has struggled throughout his career to stay fully fit. He only has one thing on his mind right now, and that is being on the field for Switzerland and Qatar. So at this point, if you're Sha- if Shakiri for... You know, you can say what you want about this, but the moment he feels a twinge in any of those muscles in his leg, he's taking himself out of the game because his only motive right now is to make sure he is fit for what will be his last World Cup. I wrote yesterday on the website that he is using the fire as his World Cup preseason. He's taking the games as seriously as you might take a preseason game, and he's, you know, if he can help, he'll help. He, he you know, he... he makes some pretty passes every once in a while. Um, he's got 11 assists this season, so he's not completely terrible, but he seems really disinterested. Sort of like last week when he didn't make the run to, to, to stop the runner against NYCFC, you know, coming out in the 30th minute, it's sort of just like another, yeah, yeah, you know what, whatever. I, I'll, I'll be ready for Qatar. Um, and it's it's enormously frustrating for a guy who's the highest paid player, player in the club's, club's history. Third um, highest paid player in the league. Third in the league. Um Fourth, no, sorry, fourth now that Insignia's in Toronto. I it's it's absolutely bonkers. I, I, I it's pathetic. just dis- it's pathetic. It's disappointing. Yeah. It, it's really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also what it's like, you know if you contrast that with what Gareth Bale is doing in LA. Yeah. Bale also in LA for preseason World Cup training. I think it's very possible LA are going to hate that contract next year. I believe he's on his lifetime deal where he's a TAM player now, but I think could be a DP next year. LAFC, we'll see how they feel about that contract next year. But Bale's a super sub. He comes off the bench. He's not asked to be the guy. Now, obviously, LAFC, by record, despite getting blown away by Austin the other night, are the best team in the league. So he gets to be a super sub, come in, live in Southern California, play all the golf he wants, I presume. Just two very different situations. But also... Bale is indestructible. Like, he's he's just the kind of guy who you think could probably go out and run, like, 200 miles straight and be fine. Like, he's it's just kind of how he's built. Yeah. And, and you know, it, in, the, in the case of Shaq, I, I think he hasn't been asked to be the man since Stoke. Yeah, he, wasn't, a, he wasn't yeah. on Bayern, and he certainly wasn't on Liverpool. He was more of just a guy. Right, a, a guy that could get you a goal now and then. At, at, at in France, he did nothing from what we, you know. He, he played only eleven league yeah. games for Lyon. Yeah, he wasn't 11. playing at Lyon. Um, and you're asking him to come in, and we're putting all these expectations on him. Ezra talks all the time. Shaq's the kind of player that can, and yet well, you could sort of see that. But one, he has to be engaged and involved and and trying, and. And two, if if his eye, if you know, if his eye is on Qatar and not here, um, I, I say, rest him. I, I, I you, you have a perfect opportunity to sit him Wednesday night and call it squad rotation and play Hiro as the ten. I say do it, 
And yeah. like Hyro hasn't done anything else to, to prove that he should be out there either. I think both of them have been, you know, again for this club under Heights. These are not great DP signings, although I will admit I liked both of these signings. I've said that. It seemed good at the time. I'm not going to shy away from that. So Heights might be wrong, but I was also wrong too. Um, but I, I, you know, let's see Hyro at the 10 and see what he can do. Cause I remember watching him in, in, in the Mexican league and he did stuff. He was good. So now he also might've been playing on a whole cocktail of painkillers and <laughs> stuff to make him feel invincible. Um, a stat I'm going to pull that I was going to save for later in the episode, but I'm going to pull this. We're now. just going way off the rundown, right? Yeah, now. we're just doing well, the rundowns. Whatever, we'll man. Figure, we'll figure it out. We'll come Talking back to. We'll circle fire. back. We'll, we'll circle back around. Jordan Shakiri, if you just take the last European season, which went straight into this MLS season, he's played 39 games. Okay. Between Leon and the Fire, the last time he played 30 games of any sort in a season was 2018-19 for Liverpool, where he was a squad player, yeah. and most of those 30 appearances were off the bench. So. Even in the best case scenario, the fire asking him to play 30, to start 30 games this year and be a top level contributor was always a bit of an ask. Because to your point, the last time he was the man, it was for a Stoke team that was loaded with dudes who were like flame out high potential guys. Yeah. Like there was like a bunch of ex Lamasi guys on that team. They got relegated. Um, and, you know, again, that was the last time he was a central figure of a team, and that team sucked. So, I, I agree. We liked the signing of the time. We thought Stoke it could be City. fun. It's, you know. It, you, know. We, you, you haven't forgotten what they did to Aaron Ramsey. Oh, I fucking hate Stoke City. <laughs> Ryan Shawcross in particular, right? Aaron Ramsey is, like, my favorite player, in, yeah. um, or at least in that era. It's, uh, yeah, it. it you know, and I, I, it frustrated me at the time, although I love the Shaq signing, it frustrated me at the time when we were comparing him to Schweinsteiger, who is no one of the greatest midfielders to ever play the game. No, don't, just don't. They're not no. on the same plane at all, just because you know their name from Europe. One's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, and the other is Shakiri. Yeah, and a very good very player. Very good player. But no, he's not Schweinsteiger. Um, Pat, before we get back on track here and, um, you know, move on to other broader things. What do the fire do with Shakiri? Because he is... You hinted at something yesterday on Twitter. I mean, I didn't, I mean I've hinted at this for a while and just kind of said it, but I'll say it here. Um, there's a precedent for the fire taking a bad designated player contract and simply shipping it to Switzerland. And uh, I would argue that shipping Shakiri to Switzerland makes even more sense than shipping Nacho Aliceta to Switzerland. Now, you'd have to get a little creative with the math. Because the fire technically sold Aliceta to Switzerland. That was not a loan. So I don't know what you'd have to do with the math. But there's yeah. no, at this point, Shakiri's going to go play in the World Cup for Switzerland. And at his age, with his injury record, his interest in being a 30-game-a-year you know, starter in any league in the world is going to be zero. He's just not going to want to do it. And you can't really blame him for that. So at this point, given the, the money hit, it feels like money laundering, but... You gotta find a way to move some money around and get you just put Shakiri on Lugano, let him go home to Switzerland, and you just because eight point five million dollars on him, the roster spot, a DP slot, this just didn't work. And even though a lot of us thought it was gonna work to some degree initially, I think this is an example where all parties have to look at each other, be honest, and say, Yeah, this is not what we expected. 
And it's best for everybody if we don't continue this any longer. I, I don't know the inner workings of how they could get that done or if they could get that done. But if they could, and if, if I mean, at some point Lugano fans are going to start pushing back if the fire keep dumping their trash on Lugano. Um, Nacho Aliceta isn't even, I think he was injured and you said he played in a. Yeah, this is a note also. But we're going to talk about some, uh, we're going to talk about George Heights' record on DPs today again. But we're going to get into the weeds a little bit more than just, uh, Yelling at clouds, so to speak. But yeah, Nacho Aliceta, uh, you know, was a was basically a rotation player for Lugano last season. Has had some injury that has kept him from being involved in the first handful of league games. So we'll see if he's anything more than a rotation bench option this year. But Lugano so far mid table in the Swiss league. The the yeah, and and who's in first? Rafa Vicky and uh, young boys minus Jordan Pifak, which you know. Uh, yes, it's Switzerland, but for a team to sell there still early, but yeah. no, but to, to to for a team to sell the Golden Boot winner from the previous year and just keep it going, something's going right over there. Yeah, um, that, that's that's interesting, and that's that's just a fun storyline. I'm not reading too much into it, considering it's if early they in the win season, the league, we fun. might have to have Rafa on the podcast. <laughs> I, I I think. I think if it gets to that point, but we digress. There was a game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, but it's That's fun fine. for you guys. There was a game earlier this season where I was in the press box next to Brian Sandalo from the Chicago Sun Times, and things always get weird when I'm talking to him. And he had seen Rafa, who still lived in Wrigleyville at the time, running shirtless, glistening in the in the sun. And in, a la Greg Burhalter running around cities pregame yeah. as well. He and and Rafa is a beautiful man. I think anybody could admit that. Good looking guy. Yeah. Um. Brian was excited about the sighting. I'm like, well, it's a guy you know. Like you, like no. He's like, it was it was fun to see. I'm like, did you say anything? He's like, no. I would. I felt weird yelling, "Hey, Rafa, <laughs> you remember me?" I, we we dealt with the guy wearing masks for ninety percent of the his yeah, tenure. Yeah, it was here, a weird so. time. Um, uh, but you know, it uh, good for him. He was a good dude. I, I, you know, at the end, I think maybe they made the right choice to let him go because it seemed like he had lost the group. But yeah, that was also a every we just need to move on from the situation. And yeah. again, I've harped on this before. I'm not going to go off on this again. The and this is nothing against Vicky personally. He should never have been hired. He was hired because he was the dude sitting around and had just gotten fired because he had not been able to get a U17 team with a I midfield of Gianluca Busio and Gio Reyna out of a World Cup. I think what we later learned, level. though, that he had been promoted to the U20 job, which asks even more that questions. Was, that was never made public which was good for u.s soccer because the fandom would have freaked if the guy who couldn't get that u17 i think that's the o3s he couldn't get the o3s out of the group at a u17 world cup that would not have gone over well oh we've got a question in the chat uh could you also get jimenez and casper to lugano gaston jimenez is unmovable you can't even fake this at this point because he's got a torn hamstring like the the plan was as far as we know that if Gaston was healthy, they were going to take any amount of actual real-world money they could get this offseason and move him. That's not going to happen anymore. And we're going to talk about more in the next segment. But I, I do think that, that you're seeing that the consensus on Gaston now, I think, is the right one. He's not terrible. He certainly has a lot of quality. He's consistently like Fot Mob's highest-rated player on the team. Completes However, a lot of passes. He, he does, and he, he's good at switching, and he... he, he in the right system, he's a very useful player. I, I think he, I think that he's somehow both underrated by the fan base, but also not good enough to be a DP. Yeah, and we'll get more Is to that this. Fair? Like, yeah, I, I think, think we're, we're going to get into the weeds on all the DPs, and I think that's a kind of, I think, a, a good starting point. And Casper Shabilko, 
I don't know what his contract situation is in terms of if he's guaranteed for next year or if they could kind of just let him walk away because that clearly hasn't worked the way people wanted either. I don't know what Casper's going to want. He's just, you know, he just had his first child recently. Uh, so I, I The baffling thing yeah. to me is when you see a situation where there's a good roster on paper, I'm talking about the Ponovich years too here, and it's failing, you usually go, well, that's the coach's fault. That's certainly what a lot of people did when Pono was here. That's the coach's fault for not getting the most out of the team. I don't know why I'm saying this, and it might just be because I like Ezra and I wish him well and I don't think he's had enough time, but I don't think this is Ezra's fault. I think there's individual things he did wrong, yeah. and I think he's pointed some of those out because he's a very you know reflective guy, but I don't think this is Ezra's fault. And for me to go, well, I, I think it is Heights' fault, but I also, like I said earlier in the show, I have to own the fact that although I did not like the signings in 2020, I did not like the 2021 continuity offseason at all. Um, there were a lot of busts there. I thought he nailed it, and apparently I'm wrong too. So, yeah, the um, in 2022, I'm I think the other thing you could say about Panovich, and this is like the defense I'd give think about that 2017 team and how that team was constructed. It was a well constructed MLS team. Mm -hmm. And then magically, there were no fullbacks on the roster on day one of the following season. The center back options were so thin that Bastian Schweinsteiger had to get moved there. And I don't think it was Panovich's fault that his team was suddenly a completely imbalanced, ridiculous roster. And there's an example of where the front office was more to blame. Is that the case here? We seem to think so. We're going to talk more about that after we uh, read some ads. By the way, I just want to point out that the fire fired one of the people that helped build the 2017 roster quietly last week in Matt Pearson, who was an Academy scout. Um, Oops. So yeah, I, and I'm not sure what's going on there, but I think Matt was a very well-respected and liked guy who was pretty smart. Maybe there's more to it that I, I don't know, but um, Heights is clearly still, uh, as I alluded to in my column yesterday, he still has a lot of power. He's still making big decisions. Cedric Catanois is out at the head of the, as the head of the Academy too. So the, if you think that if you're reconstructing the Academy, you're, you're building long-term, Things so maybe Heights still very much has Joe Mansueto's support. Um, looks that way at least. More in a minute, but first, yep. Uh, PointsBet Sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September eighth, PointsBet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from twelve to one p.m. Central Standard Time. I, we've talked about this last week, but these offers are fun. Um, you just got to make sure you jump on at the right time. Uh, sign up for PointsBet now using code CHGO to also get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more through September 8th. But, Alex, that's not it. Lawrence, that's not it. If you make a $51 it's or more not? first time... No, it's not. It's just not it. If you make a $51 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content... And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And this is the time of the week where I tell you about OWYN, O-W-Y-N, which stands for Only What You Need. OWYN is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. 
All of their products are free of all artificial ingredients. They're allergen-friendly, including no gluten or dairy. I'm personally a big fan of that, which makes them easily digestible. We here at CHGO first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, Bears 3-0 in the preseason, hell yeah, who follows a plant-based diet himself. And Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com with the code CHGO20. That's code CHGO20. So join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. All right, Pat, we have talked a lot about the players. We should talk about the man who hired those players. Um, we would not like to see George Heights keep his job next year. Is that fair? I just don't think in a business where results matter that he has had any measurable success over his three years here. And I don't know what would make Joe Mansueto or any member of the fan base think that he's going to do it in year four if he hasn't done it in years one, two, and three. Yeah, I think I, that's pretty fair. Yeah, I, 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 it's not a personal thing or anything like that. I'm just looking, I'm trying to look at it logically and objectively and with a level head, and I'm like, no, it, it hasn't worked to the point where you're almost on another rebuild. This year was another rebuild because 20 and 21 didn't work. And they could argue 2020, there was COVID. They used to say that, well, everybody dealt with that. In 2021, he had the continuity plan that we, we laughed at and brought in guys like Chinonso 04. How'd that work? Um, 2022, he made a splash. Like I said earlier in the show, I supported the moves. Uh, I didn't know what I know now about Casper. I didn't know what I know now about Jairo Torres. Where's and that I, money sound? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, money if, sound. If, if I'm money Joe, I'm, I got to be looking at this and going, this guy's spending tons of my money. For what end? What has he done? A team that's just as bad as you found it. I'm a patient and level-headed person. If it was a little bit better, if they were sneaking into the playoffs now, I'd be like, no, give him another year. Let's see if he can keep this rolling. Rebuilding that train wreck of a club takes time. But with... You, you're almost supercharged with Joe Mansueto as your owner. He can spend whatever. Well, yeah, to, it, I, the way I've seen it put is he can spend his way out of any hole that he finds himself in. How are they not out of the hole then? How? How are we still in this predicament? Uh, it's So, yes, I, I would like to see, uh, assuming that they do not make the playoffs and there isn't some sort of late season run in the last seven games, which I don't see happening, I do not think George Heights should be back. That assumes that. Joe has somebody better with maybe more time in this league in mind to come in and, and do the job. If you're just going to fire him and then go, well, we don't know what to do now. Oh, you, yeah, no, I would say don't fire Heights with no plan. There's got to be a plan, and that's got to be already in the works if you're going to do it. So, And then if, if, if like I said before the, uh, the break, if, if George is still making monstrous decisions with the fate of the academy – He's still in charge. And if there was any indication, we, we know that uh, Joe told Brian Sandalow that, that he likes working with, with George and wants to, you know, keep him. There's no in, intent to get rid of him right now. If there's, there's no sign that this is stopping. I, I would not be surprised if he's back next season. No, not at all. I expect him to be back next season, personally. 
I would rather that not and, be the situation, but I assume that's what. Wait, we'll are get. we are we talking about Heights or Tony Larusa? <laughs> it could yeah, be the same, right? I mean, yes, but the th- difference is, I think Heights knows what he's doing and has just failed. I don't think Tony knows. what Yeah, he's Heights doing anymore, knows what day of the week it is. Yeah, I, I, Heights is yeah. a competent human being. He's just not won soccer games. But um, <laughs> it, it, if he's back next season, I hope they win MLS Cup and he gets a new contract and he gets to stick around. I, it's not an ill will thing toward no, the guy. No, no, no. I know that when when things get heated, sometimes things really start, there starts to be like a really sort of uh, almost personal attack on on people. You just got to show me, show me some success here. And Something. It, it's not, like, I mean, let's, let's look at, at the DPs here, right? The, uh, he doesn't like, Heights doesn't like, when we press him on the DPs, he's like, oh, the big salaries, the DPs, they, they get that money. I think the last time we spoke to him, he said, well, they get that money because that's what the market commands. But the market commands that money because of a certain level of production that's supposed to come along with these guys. And if you see the successful teams in the league, they all have really good DPs. Also, you can't just say the market when you're operating in MLS, which totally warps and has its right. own market. And these are the only three. Sp- you are allowed infinite money on three dudes. Right. As much as you want. So the first one's Robert Barrich, who was... In hindsight, probably the best of the bunch. Just over $2 million from St. Etienne. That money didn't help. They are a disaster. It's crazy to say that, but he almost won the Golden Boot in 2020. People forget that. Before the ice cold season last year, where he didn't have Georgie Mihailovic feeding him passes left and right. Um, Yeah, 20 goals, three three assists. And I'm quoting assist numbers here as um, first assist, not MLS assist. Not the MLS hockey assist. Yeah, correct. So 23 goal involvements in 56 games. Not great, but also not awful. Now, DP-level production? No. Potential starting striker? Is that a TAM striker-level production? Yeah, we'd love for Casper Shabilko. Slightly better to be than Casper right now, right? Right, so, so. I mean, if, if that's, it depends what your comp is. Barrett's really streaky. He got released. He now plays in China. No one seemed to have much of a market for him when he left MLS. Not sure what that was about. He's he was in with, China? I don't even think yeah, I knew that. He was without a club for a while. Now he plays in China. Mm. As you know, Despite the fact that China... Uh, significantly restricted how many foreign players could come into the league. The If you're not aware, the Chinese Super League paying huge transfer fees and salaries to famous players era is uh, is officially dead, except I think Oscar. Oscar is still there hmm. for some reason. Uh, uh, Nacho. Nacho. Nacho Aliceta, first young DP for the club under that new little bucket of money, signed for $3 million from Defensa in Argentina, and he put together a whopping eight goal contributions in 43 appearances. I think three of those were in that one Atlanta game where he won MLS Player of the Week. I think it was two goals and one assist in that game. Oof. Yeah. He Oof. Uh, I remember talking to a journalist in Argentina about both uh, Eliseda and Jimenez, and he said, Gaston's going to be a solid, a solid central midfielder for you. I don't know why you're giving that much money to Nacho Aliceta. We haven't seen him do anything down here. So And we didn't see him anything he was, him do anything up here either. He, he was this is what's hilarious to me. He was the the excuse for why he wasn't good here was that he was homesick. He was away from his mom. Yeah, he, so he moved here further he, away now. He's yeah, right. Well, well <laughs> I, I think you could we'll get to that here in a second. I think maybe the fire just lost their patience cuz yeah, t- to be fair, he was a teenager who left his home country for the first time in the middle of a global pandemic and came to Chicago. That was always going to be tough. The move then that followed really doesn't make sense to your point. The fire technically made a profit on Nacho Aliceta because the, there was a $4 million transfer fee from Lugano to Chicago. I do not understand if that's allowed at all. 
It's one of those things you get with owning another club, I guess. But hey, free gam, and the fire uh, would take the free gam. Guest Don Jimenez, the aforementioned, $4.5 million from Vela's Sarsfield. Oof. Um, not his job to score and contribute goals, but he's only got eight goal contributions in 65 games. On the assist front, you would have probably hoped for better there. And as we mentioned, he's got a torn quad. He's done for the year and thus has no sell-on value at the moment. He's got a contract next year. All indications are he is going to fulfill it. I don't think, like I said earlier in the show, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's actually been pretty solid this season. Is he good enough to warrant one of the three DP slots on the team? No, I mean, you'd take him on a TAM deal, I think. Yeah, I would. But not... He's not, not what he's currently making. No. Uh, then, of course, we've spent a lot of time on Mr. Shakiri. Most of you will know this very well. Over $7.5 million from Olympic Lyonnais, where he was not playing for them, so they just took that money and ran with it. He currently makes $8.5 million a season, which, as mentioned, is the fourth highest salary in all of MLS. I'm struggling to think who was third because Insigne is He was is the first. overall highest salary when he signed. I know Insigne was Insigne higher. Insigne is first. Vela's, new contra- Vela's above him and somebody else's. But I'm... Don't have it in okay. front of me right now. I'll take um, your word for it. Anyway, we, we've said plenty. And then Jairo Torres, $6 million from then Mexican champions. Atlas should have injured and having a bit of a painkiller problem from Pat's reporting. Uh, cool. I don't – hold hold on. Painkiller problem makes him sound like Brett Favre. No, that's they not – I, I, I phrased that poorly. <laughs> they were giving a probable, him – A problem associated with the fact yeah. that Atlas were loading up. He did not have a painkiller problem. Not. Atlas had yeah. a problem with giving him painkillers. To get through the hip injury that he came here with. So, yeah, it that's – It was – he showed up in a problematic state in terms of his fitness. <laughs> yeah. He's, My he's, apologies for the poor phrasing. Yeah. Uh, he took a while to get 90 minutes fit. Still doesn't look that good. Best position where he played for Atlas, as we mentioned – was through the middle more as a 10 behind a striker. We haven't seen that because Shakiri plays there. And you can't have another freeloader. Uh, I they were positive know. that he was going to work as a winger. I And I, we were excited to see it. We've seen it. And I'm not excited about it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the team has shown no measurable success. I, uh, I did some, uh, some really quick work here, Pat. Uh, took about five minutes in Microsoft Excel. Uh, and it's just... Just look at the Fire's point totals over the years. Should note a couple things here. That 2020 number is uh, projected. They only played 23 games in 2020. They had 23 points. So there's your 34 from 34. And the 2022 number is currently a projected 38 points on their current pace. So if you take out, I don't even remember why 2012 was so crazy. They had more points that year than the 2017 season, yet accomplished less. Yeah. Uh, So... Don't, I don't understand how that worked, but, you know, if 2017, that was fun, but, man, no progress. No. I mean, it, it, you would expect that, you know, things would have upticked, and you can sort of – I mean, you could argue that is a little bit of an uptick, and if they win a couple more games, maybe you could argue that they've got a little bit better here and maybe there's a core. You could. I'm not going to argue that. Nope. Because, um, honestly, it, it, it's enormously frustrating that – the bar has been set so low. All three seasons was we just want to make the playoffs because in the playoffs, you can do anything. Well, what if we aim higher than that in market three with a rich owner? What if the, what if the goal is yeah, to you actually got one of like do the eight, eight, or, eight or ten owners in MLS willing to throw money around? Yeah. What, what if the bar is higher than that? Why, why are expansion teams coming in and passing the fire left and right? 
Why? Everybody said Charlotte's roster at the beginning of the year looked awful. I still don't think it's very good. They fired their coach like two weeks into the season, and yet they're better than the fire. Somehow. How? I, Alex, I... They're starting, in, they're starting defensive midfielder is a guy who the fire cut loose a couple years ago yes. because he wasn't one of the 20 best players on the fire. And that team is above the fire in the standings. Yep. What the hell? No offense to Brant Bronico, super nice guy, but like no one took issue with that he was not in the mix for the fire when they let him walk. I'm not 100% sure that they didn't think Bronico was just a right back. Because remember, he, he got shoehorned in there when there were no fullbacks right, in the roster. Right, and then he got torched by uh, Jordan Morris in the opening game of 2020 right before the pandemic in Seattle. Totally forgot about that. I think that they might have thought that he was just an outside back when, in fact, that was where he was filling in. He was actually a, a better center mid. I don't think he's a starting level center mid, although he's proving everybody wrong in, in Charlotte right now. Yeah, with I mean, that. credit to Brent. But, yeah, it, he, in, you know, he's a guy who's not going to stop working, so it's credit to him on that. But... Um, but he wasn't a right back, and he was asked to go against one of the best players in the league in the time at Jordan Morris. Yeah, Jordan, That's a talk about another thing people forget because of the pandemic. Jordan Morris was on a trajectory to be, like, starting for the U.S. men's national team, and then he got hurt, and it's kind of never gotten back together. But he was, like, awesome there for a year and a half, and yeah. then just has never gotten it back. So, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. Again, it's, it's, it's one of those things, I'm sure Fire fans, when they see a guy like Brandt succeeding like he is, they, they feel really good for him, but it's got to be, it's a very melancholy experience, I'm sure, watching guys leave. I mean, it is a Chicago sports tradition, though, watching people leave here and then go be better elsewhere. We're, we're, Georgie, we're, CJ, Dax. Yeah, we're fairly well-versed, not only in the Fire, but just, I'd say, Chicago sports writ large. Excuse me. Kind of have uh, have uh, that experience. So yeah, just you know. Yeah, look at did you see what Trubisky was doing, slinging the rock on uh, Sunday night for <laughs> Pittsburgh. I saw that Trubisky back shoulder pass to Miles Boykin yesterday, and I'm like, huh, this could be something. Mitch. Mm. Uh, hey, you guys had a question here from uh, playing with Fire Soccer. He asked about Lagerway. Has he resigned yet for, with Seattle? As far as I have seen, there has been no news. This is going to be news if and when it happens. Yeah, I don't think Seattle so. Seattle want Garth to stay. Um, there's open speculation. It was more speculation than reporting that Atlanta would have got, what, should go after him. I think that was more of a this-it-makes-sense sort of situation rather than a there was actually anything going on there. Um, I mean, I, I've said it the whole time. Garth Lockerway, Brink's truck. Pay him whatever he wants. 100%. Well, and the, now, the, the thought was that Garth is going to be looking to be more than just a general manager. And I say to that, fine. Ask him what he wants to do and pay him whatever he wants. He is simply the best roster builder in the history of this league. Yep. Full stop. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Set aside Seattle's poor form this year. They went all in on the Champions League. And, like, every guy who plays defensive midfielder for them, like, tore an ACL. So, yeah. like, you can only ask so much. You know, Seattle is the model. Garth's a Chicago guy. If he says no, he says no. But you offer to make him the highest-paid executive in the league. Uh, same commenter uh, with this idea. Um, a, a oh, there it is. Chicharito director. is the name I could not come up with. Oh, thank you, TJ. Yeah, but I was going to say this, this global sporting director, what if that's a role with the fire and Lugano for... Maybe so, Lugano. there is... 
there I think could be an option for some Garth? precedent for that. Um, I don't. I don't hate that idea that he is kind of managing the whole that he's the organizational sporting director rather than a team director, kind of like what Ernie Stewart does for the national I team. I can tell you this. He is the, yeah, he like he was the U.S. men's national team general manager, got promoted to federation sporting director, and now each um, it's uh, Kate Margraff on the women's side and Brian McBride on the men's side are the individual team general managers. Yeah. I. Yes, that could be better, but then doesn't Sebastian Pelzer just get promoted to full GM of the fire? I, I think that if you're bringing in Garth and you're putting George Heights over him... Oh, no, no, those things... That's not going to no, work. That's, those are mutually exclusive options. No, it's you bring Garth in, and if Garth okay. wants to run the whole shop, you let Garth run the whole shop. Yeah. Yeah. It, Again, I, we do not think this is going to happen. It's what we would like. Again, no report. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. There's I no also in- won't be surprised if uh, Garth Lagerway does the Jesse Marsh vacation plan, which is take a year off in between jobs and travel the world because you can. Like, that also sounds kind of appealing. You've kind of completed what you wanted. You've won an MLS Cup. You've won the CONCACAF Champions League. What exactly else is Garth supposed to do? Maybe he wants to go overseas. I mean, if Newcastle United are going to pay Darren Eels the kind of money they're paying him, someone would pay Garth Lagerway a pretty penny as well. So, I don't think. No, as far as we know, to answer the original question, no, we do not know of Garth Lagerway having signed an extension. But him being in Chicago, well, amazing, does feel like a bit of a pipe dream. Speaking of pipe dreams, me winning any bet on points bet pick of the week. Oh, it's not going well. Love it. It's not going well. I mean, it, I think that if you really want to make money – you should just bet against what whatever you say, but uh, you know what? You, you, you but, tell me these beforehand, and I go, yeah, that's a good bet. So I'm e- sort of like with the Heights as DPs, I'm equally yeah. to blame here. Yeah. Uh, so, but we think we found one that we feel pretty good about. Merseyside Derby in the Premier League this coming weekend. Liverpool against Everton. Liverpool minus one and a half goals plus 100. They just put nine past Bournemouth. Now, Everton is better than Bournemouth, but not by that much. Everton is not eight goals better than Bournemouth. Um, also, I'm not convinced Everton can score without Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the lineup. So, Also, they might be selling Anthony Gordon to Chelsea for an obscene amount of money. So, I don't know. Just Everton-Liverpool, Liverpool winning by at least two. That feels pretty good to me. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. Download the PointsBet app. Use code CHGO. I forget the exact thing, but it's, I think it's if you... Your first bet's at least fifty bucks. You get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. Is up to fifty-one dollars? Is that right? Is that the new deal? Something like that. I don't know. That was fifty-one dollar or more first-time deposit. You'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a shirt like this one, or like another one. I got three shirts in the mail this week. I got a. Uh, they're they're not out of the wash yet, but I got a CHGO Sky, a CHGO Bears. And a CHGO White Sox Southside bias that I wore to softball last night. Big victory for the CHGO softball team in our first playoff appearance. Quick note about t-shirts. If you're around for the Bears show later today, which is actually late 3 o'clock because it's cut day, final cut day, uh, we're dropping a new shirt. I heard a rumor about this. I've heard it's good. Keep those eyes peeled to the socials and uh, allchgo.com or the chgolocker.com, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, go check out Nick Mariano's um, prediction for the 53-man roster. That's up on the website right now. We'll see how we did when exactly. that final roster yeah. comes, out, comes out later today. Uh, upcoming, Pat, for the fire. We're not going to waste a lot of time on these because, ugh. Um, New England on Wednesday, Columbus on Saturday, both on the road. 
to keep that 538 odds number above zero, you got to get at least four points, I think, from these oh. two games. Right? Uh, yeah. And you basically have to win them both? I think you have to win them both at this Because point. they are competitors. Also, um, so that J. Sam Jones in his newsletter did some uh, math and figured out there's a 11-way tie possible in the Eastern Conference from 3rd to 13th. Uh, chaos. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to root for chaos, go check that out. Uh, but the fire, New England, and Columbus are all in that group of teams that are just jumbled together right now. I Good think for anyway. that to happen, they'd have to win out, right? The fire, I think I saw, would have to get to, like, 10 wins or 13 wins. 13 wins. 13 wins. So five out of their next seven. Yeah. As I said, no. what did I say at the top of the show? And I, didn't, I hadn't even done the math on this. I just felt that it, it just felt right. They have to win a majority, so that's at least four, yeah. and draw the rest. And that gets them in. Anything less probably doesn't. Hmm. Toronto aren't going to lose again. Miami have a Gonzalo Higuain who has dialed back the ears. They look real good. So they'd be, fifth, they'd be 15 points. That still may not be enough. It might take 16 or 17 more points yeah. for the fire because I think the line is 45 to 48, right? For, so 45 would be the minimum that you would get in with. I think it might be closer to 46 or 47. So All we can yeah. say is that this time next week when you see us, we will be able to basically definitively say if the fire are done. I or feel like if they are still yeah. in. We like, we've kind of been like, oh, we feel like they're done. This time next week, we will know if their playoff hopes, if, the, if there's something, if, they, if, if they've yeah. got something to play for or nothing to play for. I doubt we will be sitting here next week and still saying, eh, there's a chance. We did say, though, after the five-game uh, unbeaten streak, the next three were going to be very hard, and we'll know if they're a real team or not. And we know now, no. No. Um, so, you know, the fire, Pat, sometimes good this year, but most often bad. You know what else that describes? World Cup kits. So we're going to play a, we're, we're going to call this the good, the bad, and the ugly so far of the leaks we have on kits for the World Cup this winter. First, the good, Mexico, Japan, and Germany. Let's start with, uh, start with Mexico. And they released not only that beautiful away shirt that is under the jacket, that jacket is reversible. It's got the same pattern in green yes. instead of red. They're going to flip it. I, th I believe the understanding is they're going to wear the green side out when they've got that away kit on. They will wear the kind of uh, cream and green side out when That's they're wearing their home kit. That's just beautiful. I, I'm, beautiful. I am not. I yeah. have no relationship to the Mexican men's national soccer team. If you do and have the money to spend, I would highly encourage you to just buy all of that just because it's all great. Um, speaking of also great reversible kits, Adidas is on a theme here. This, this jacket that Japan is rolling out, we're going to have that one up next. Holy hell is this thing pretty. Like, their kits are really good, too. Yeah. But, like, I saw people on Twitter yesterday just demanding, hey, Adidas, why is none of this on your website yet? Because we would like to give you all of our money for it. Japan's yeah. going to – I don't know if Japan's going to play real good. They're going to look real good. Of the three kit manufacturers, Adidas definitely – is way above Nike. Yeah, Nike hasn't dropped theirs then, yet. We've seen some leaks. Uh, we're going to get to that other kit manufacturer in a minute. Oh, because, God. Holy hell, but no, Adidas does good work. The final, the good is Adidas' homeland. Adidas, as they're called over there. They always give Germany a good, a good Germany look. always does well, and yeah. these kits, we talked. There's been talk about, you know, people not liking the middle crest on those leaked U.S. kits. You could do a middle crest well, and this is how you do a middle crest well. That is an outstanding. Das ist gut for die Mannschaft. Yeah, die Mannschaft. 
Ba- Bastard Feinsteiger, where you at? I'm sure he loves these. Um, also, shout out to the Philadelphia Union for years for uh, an Adidas kit with a center crest that worked. Mm-hmm. So you can yeah, do it. Um, so those are the good. Next up, we have the bad. And uh, the bad is whatever this thing that uh, Adidas has Lionel Messi wearing is. Um, Argentina's home kit, they can't have any fun with, really, because it's you have basically the thing, always yeah. the same. So then you get purple flames on the away kit, and also the one they gave Messi is like three it's sizes too big. It's not as bad as the Belgium Guy Fieri flame kit, but I don't hate it. It's, I think this one's all right. Also, I've said this. I said this on Twitter yesterday. But if anybody watching can help me, if you can Photoshop Kevin De Bruyne as Guy Fieri, I would. I would love. Yeah. Love to yeah. see it. Anyway, and then finally we get to the ugly, and the ugly is simply everything Puma is making. What the hell are those? It's been an anti-Swiss show <laughs> uh, thus far. With our, we're down on Shakiri. We're down on Heights. I'm also down on those jerseys. Uh, as many people online pointed out, that looks like a hello, my name is tag on the Swiss one. Um, you know, somebody needs to ask Shaq about this. Like, if he doesn't want to talk about soccer, fine. But, like, we've seen some U.S. players react to their jerseys. I believe yeah. Weston McKenney's comment on one of the leaks was, I tried to tell them. Uh, yeah. Eunice Musa oh. was asked straight up last yeah. week what he thought. And uh, his response, the question was, do you like the kits? And his response was, and I quote, well... They're the kits that we have, which is not exactly a ringing endorsement. Now, a quick question here. The upper left, why is there an Italy uh, kit? Yeah, this is also the thing that, like, Italy um, Italy put out a tweet yesterday that was basically graphic design is my passion, is almost what they wrote. They were like, this tweet showcases graphic design and, like, Italian history. Italy doesn't want to be here. Like, they're just catching strays on top of the strays yeah. they deserve. For not making the World Cup. So they, they didn't need to do Italy like that. It's very much a kick them while they're down sort of scenario. So it's very we ex- rude. It's very rude. Yeah, we expect the Nike kits are going to be out soon. I saw a Portugal leaked one this morning that also looked awful. Um, my, my thing Wonderful. is this with, with Nike. Nike is based in the United States, and they do a lot of cool stuff. And we finally are building a national team program on the men's side that is going to garner worldwide attention yeah. with how talented our players are. Again, youngest team at the World Cup this winter. The least you could do is put in slightly more effort and design for your home team than you do for everybody else. Again, look at those kits that Adidas makes the Germans. Now, Adidas makes other people good kits too, mm-hmm. but they always take care of their own, and Germany always gets good kits. I, I You know, you could... You have to wonder, is Nike fully in charge of this, or is there a client issue where Nike's presenting U.S. soccer with beautiful shirts and U.S. soccer's like, nah, let's make it bad? I, I don't think that's the case. I don't know what's going on. Maybe Nike's like, we don't want to have a good one until 2026 when we're hosting. There's also the pet theory that all of the all of the kit manufacturers are intentionally making terrible kits because everyone wants to be as associated with Qatar as little as possible. So just make this as unmemorable as you possibly yeah, can. I, Adidas didn't get the memo, but Puma and Nike seem to be fully on board it's whatever's going on thank i'm thankful that adidas put out some decent ones because the 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 puma ones are garbage the u.s ones that we've seen are garbage i i'm sure nike will have some nice france kits i haven't seen them yet but i I think they're out there i've you know they always do they're always simple but they're always fine also we're not gonna get into it though but uh is uh is everybody 
You would expect for France. Can we wear those France kits? There's some weird <laughs> stuff. If you, if you thought, are you into voodoo? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll end on this. If you thought past France, France men's national team scandals were weird, boy, have you seen absolutely. Nothing. I don't know. They've been pretty weird in the past, though. But just if, if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google or Twitter search Mbappe, Pogba, witch doctor. Um, there's also an MLS connection here to the story because of Paul Pogba's brother who used to play for Atlanta. So, so yeah, things are weird in France. The kits are mostly bad. Uh, yeah, Adidas is going to look good. Um, no they, blackmail this time around, though. So uh, that that we that that we know of that we uh, <laughs> that we know of. So yeah, it's a weird time in Fire World again. The team continues to be the team they've always been. T- to quote the late Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. And, um, you know, maybe next year at least they'll be wearing red kits. Maybe that'll be the no. saving thing. No, it's two years away. Mm. Why, can't we have ni- why can't we have nice things? You know who does wear red kits? I know who wears red kits. Yeah. Arsenal. The Damn team right. with 12 points in the Premier League yeah. out of four games. Uh-huh. Yeah. What I know a fight about back. Them. You know, it's honestly, it's, it's way different watching this year's team Versus the last, like... It's very conflicting as a non-Arsenal fan for them to be so fun and for me to enjoy watching them so much. It's entertaining. It's fun. Well, but, like, I just feel like, you know, in the last however many seasons... Oh, hi, Lawrence. Hi, I'm over here. (laughs) And this is my dog, by the way. Hi, Lawrence's dog. Wait, that's that's your dog on a shirt? That's Yeah, my wife made this for me. That's incredible. Actually, gift. She's the cutest. Uh, Anyways, Arsenal, you know, they go down 1-0, and in the past, that means they lose. But when it happened... I just, I just felt like, you know what? They're yeah. going, they're pushing forward, and they're going to tie this, and they're going to win, and they did. And well, I want a points bet, bet. You know, if uh, I'm sure Arsenal fans will continue to enjoy watching Arsenal. I hope I will enjoy watching Chelsea against Southampton. No, that's okay. This afternoon, Fire fans, if you can find a way to enjoy watching the Fire against New England and Columbus this week, more power to you. Thank you for tuning in to this week of CHGO Fire for Lawrence, for Pat. I'm Alex. We'll see you next week, and it's going to be what it's going to be. Later.